Hey guys, this is your hostess with the mostest, Kim, and my trusty wingman, Melvin. How you doing? And you are tuned back in to another episode of the Soul Sense Podcast, and another one, and another one, and another one, ay, ay, ay. <laughs> So, why do you laugh at me every time I do this? Is this what we're going to do every time, Melvin? <laughs> yeah, because it's hilarious. Oh, okay. So, anyways, guys... um. Well, I guess at this point we're on part two, right? Part two. Of our marriage enrichment weekend recap. And so if you remember the first the first part we went over, uh, what was point number one? Our unique relationship. Right. And it was <clears throat> the theme is this is us. And mm-hmm. yeah, like you said. This is us, our unique relationship. Yes. So if you have not listened to that one, I would suggest that you go back, listen to part one, then pop back in and listen to part two. And of course, we're going to have a part three. And so we're just going to, well, let's just jump right on in. Okay. Yeah. So the next one was This Is Us, Our Local Partnership. And they started off just with uh, reading a scripture in Romans. You got that scripture on deck? Yes. 1514. 15, and I'm going to be reading from the NLT. Y'all know that's what I like. And it says, I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well, you can teach each other all about them. And This was a good scripture to start out because, like we said, point number two was our our local relationship, I mean, partnership. And this point really, they really honed in about like mentorship. And that's what I wrote down, finding someone to mentor and for someone to be your mentor, because in the body of Christ, we are partnered together in this. Right. And the last time we, t- the last episode, we talked about the stages of life and that illustration that they gave us of, you know, you start out in kind of that beginning phase, the honeymoon phase, yeah. and, you know, all those different stages that they went through. And we talked about how sometimes those stages aren't, you know, you go through it and you're done. Mm-hmm. I think every stage of life kind of has those different stages in it you start having kids you have your first child and it's you know you're kind of shook up a little bit but then you start to get your your wheels up underneath you and you feel like I got this thing figured out and then some other thing comes along and it gets more stressful for you and then after a while you kind of get to a point that it's not it's no no more or no less stressful but you have grown in in wisdom to understand that things don't shake you as much yeah we were having a conversation um just recapping over those uh stages that we talked about and you know they more so talked about it as like kind of like moving through your overall journey but me and melvin felt like when we were talking about it later on that like you can cycle in and out of these different stages for instance you use raising children you know even with children like your kids get older it's almost like you're starting all over again when they move to the next phase or whatever so 
with our local partnership, they really honed in where the different stages should really help each other and you partner with each other. And some of the notes that I got down were find someone to mentor. And they said, I wrote here, you do have time because I know for us, that is what we're, that's so precious for us is our time. And I think in our society, we can think that we don't have time, but you've also heard of these, like you've heard of that, um, phrase that people make time for the things that they want to do. And so it's like a cycle. You should mentor as well as be mentored. So as someone is helping you, you should reach back and help someone else. Right. And one point that they brought out that I I took note of was just the idea of, you know, the body is, is a well-oiled machine. God constructed the church to be able to meet all of our needs in those situations, most of them. Now, you definitely, there are times where you got to get professional help on different things, but in terms of helping you go through the life stages, there's always somebody who has gone through, if not the exact same thing, something very similar to help out. And so it is very important for us to look for for resources within the church to help you out to and and really what that means is just being open and being vulnerable with the things that you're going through i think something especially for a new parent but maybe just in general is uh you could really want to put on a happy face you know it can be hard sometimes to be vulnerable with people because you don't think anybody else is going through it even in marriage you know i think not just even in parenting or you know, any new phase, you want people to look at you like you can handle it. Yeah. You know, like people don't want to be look weak. You don't. And a lot of times I think it's just how you perceive yourself in the com- and um, how you perceive yourself in the situation. But it's almost like if I see a young like when I see parents that are younger than us or married who are younger than us. I don't come at them in a judgmental way, like, because I, too, was in your spot. So I know what you're going through. Like, my questions and my comments to, like, a new mother or a newly married person is of help. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think this point really struck a chord with me because I think that this is what we've been striving for is mentorship we we you know we we i think this is what we have been actually um chasing after you know this year you know really putting people around us that can help us walk through this like journey that we're currently in well well i can say i do struggle with not wanting to appear a certain way Uh, and i think god knows that and it's so anytime we have the jacksons over it's, it seems like that's the worst fair wants to act, and we can't cover it up. <laughs> so last time we had – we talk about the Jacksons a lot. That's a couple that, that mentors us. And the last time they were over here, Kim, the last couple times actually, Kimberly and I were, were kind of not, not arguing, but yeah, just going back and forth. It was very obvious we were not on the same page with uh, how we wanted to do things in our household and – we're not on the same page with um, kind of some things that were going on with my oldest daughter. And 
really that that can be kind of embarrassing, especially for us who a lot of times we're put we're put in a position to counsel or to to um you know give advice to other people and you can kind of get caught up in all of that and even though these people are coming over to help I'm just being honest um I I felt embarrassed you know while we were going while we were going back and forth and almost to the point I wanted but I was like you know what it, we're just going to have to be real because I know mm-hmm. 100% they're not going to judge us. Mm-mm. And it was healthy for us to go through that with them sitting there because they could easily see the the issue. They could put their finger on the issue. Like the issue is. And they let, and they just let us sit there and banter. Yeah. Didn't say anything. Did didn't not. interrupt. And, and then they rang in. But I think I'm at a point now where it's just kind of like. I definitely feel that like feeling of like not wanting to feel like I got it on all straight. Like I'm doing good. I'm like, you know, I I do have that feeling, but the feeling to be better and grow is stronger than that. So I can push through that, especially if I'm in a safe place with people that I know that love me. And then at the end of the day, it's just kind of like, People just gonna have to see me for who I am. I mean, I, I just, I just got it. I just, it's just too exhausting to put up a front. And you know, that's one re- one of the reasons why I love the fellowship that we're a part of is that, you know, past churches that I went to, I, I wouldn't have dared allow people to see me slipping in no area of my life but it's like I have like flat out cried to people just in regular conversation just bust out in tears I mean people have seen me chasing my kids down the hallway people have seen me rolling my eyes at me I mean like you know my desire to be on the right path is stronger than my pride and the pride is strong, you know what I'm saying? But it's a teeny bit that wanting to do what God wants me to do is just a teeny bit more than my pride. Teeny. Like huh? I can't even, and I have to be honest, I can't say like, it's just, oh my gosh, by leaps and bounds, I just want to do better. Just a hair more. I want to be right in Christ, just a hair more than my pride wants to swell up in me. And so, you know, I just, I keep saying like, Kim, do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to be right? Do you want to do this right? Do you want to have a good marriage? Do you want to have healthy, happy kids? Yes, these are the things that you want. And so that means you're going to have to put in the work. And so to me, having a spiritual mentor um, especially in the most vulnerable places of your life, which are your relationship with others like a marriage and raising your kids. These are people's heartstrings and you get easily offended in these areas. But these are the areas that if they're suffering, it causes devastation. So right. so it's like having someone to me, having someone that I can partner with, it has really helped talk me off the ledge you know i think always coming from the standpoint of the spiritual community is equipped to help us grow mm-hmm. you know and how how is it equipped because 
there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, that's right. People aren't equipped by this divine knowledge that's been placed on on them. I think it's the spirit that allows us to filter our life experience Mm -hmm. and bring those things back up to be useful, Mm -hmm. you know, and we have to always remember that for me, it, it's not always easy. I have to be very intentional in being open with the things that I struggle with because, you know, at the end of the day, just remembering that, that every, I've never talked to somebody about something and they just, Hammering. Oh, I can't say that. But th- that's, again, though, that's also having people who you can trust. I know people who I can trust and be open and vulnerable with, and they will not judge me, even mm-hmm. if they have no way of relating to the things that I'm going through. They give me, they'll listen, and then they give me uh, helpful advice, but more than anything, they pray uh, for me. And I think it's being, so back to that marriage retreat, uh, the the overarching theme of that first scripture that that they had was the body is 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 standing there waiting to help you with your marriage. Mm-hmm. That is what God created it for. Mm-hmm. It's for us to help us with all facets of our Christian life, and we just have to be intentional in going after it. Um, and one big piece to that is uh, is in Ephesians four. Uh, Verse fi- chapter 4, verse 15, it says, well, I'll start at 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by, uh, in the, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined together, uh, is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And I read that looking at the the main, I guess, component to the body being sufficient for our growth. It's we have to do our part. Mm-hmm. We have to look for those opportunities to help people out, and we have to make ourselves a willing recipient for people's baggage sometimes, um, and not not in an unhealthy way, mm-hmm. right? So someone can just come and complain and whine and whatever else. I think that scripture is awesome when it talks about speaking the truth in love. Don't be like those people who, in order for us to to combat the deception of the world, right, who just pot, p- can pat you on the back and and tell you everything is good and everything is going to be all right, you're a champion and this, that, the other, or the other side of it, can they'll just beat you down. You know, the thing that we offer as as the the kingdom, the thing that we're supposed to offer is speaking the truth in love. Sometimes that truth is, is, in, you know, I guess it's all encouraging, but sometimes that truth is, is gentle, but sometimes that truth is harsh, mm-hmm. a harsh reality, mm-hmm. not harsh meaning being mean and saying it, but the truth sometimes can't be sugarcoated. If, no. the, if the truth is you're irresponsible with money mm. and you need to get it together and repent, I can't really say that in a nice no, way. No. You know, sometimes cover. You, sometimes the two two nice things and the bad thing aren't 
aren't aren't going to work. You know what I mean? Um, what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I think that our society is more, when you hear that, that scripture and you hear speak the truth in love, I think our society leans more so towards the love side and not the truth side because people don't like conflict. Right. And people have this mindset, especially I don't know if it's just an American thing or what it's kind of like, well, that's none of my business or that's what they are going to have to work through. But like if we are invested in each other's lives and we're in a close proximity to somebody like loving somebody is like telling them like, you know, two trains about to crash each other, yell out and tell, save yourself, you know? Like, if you're irresponsible with money, like, am I really loving you by keeping my mouth closed? When I know that you have all these things that you have voiced to me that you're trying to do, that you want to do, that you have responsibilities to do, and you're aware of this, but yet and still, you continue to do what you do. Am I really loving you by being quiet? Yeah. But just because, because you really have to ask, why am I doing that? Um, you had said something that made me think of a, a another scripture. <clears throat> and it seems like we've been using this scripture a lot. We On Saturday, we went as a uh, small group and volunteered and uh, helped someone else. Uh, one of our older um, sisters, um, just helping her clean up around the house, uh, her house and stuff like that. And we all kind of shared with our children kind of as disciples, why we do what we do. And I'm not going to read the whole scripture. I'm actually not going to read it. I'm just going to reference it. But in Acts 4, and pretty much starting in verse 32, all the way to the end, which is about 37, it talks about how none of the believers had uh, any need that They sold their possessions and they brought, they laid it down. They laid the money down at the feet of the apostles and that there was no one among them that had a need and that all their basic needs were taken care of. And I know at times, I know that we look at that as monetary, but we have a God that's concerned more than just with if our monetary needs are taken care of. When I look at this, I also look deeper and I think to myself, like in the body of Christ, we should not lack anything. Like if we're all functioning at the capability that we're supposed to function at, really, I mean, think about all the talents and all the professions and all of the people that are a part of the church. Like you really shouldn't have a need for anything, whether it be food, whether it be money, whether it be legal advice, whether it be medical advice, whether it be counseling, any of these things you have issues with, you know, like right now, like if, if like our water, like one time we had issues with our water, we know somebody who is a plumber. Melvin called that brother up. We know we know people who are electricians. We know people who do air and conditioning. We know people who do roofing. We know people who watch kids for a living. All people who teach. You know, there are so many things that had I not have been a disciple, had I not have been a part of the body of Christ, I would have missed out on a lot of things. And right now we're in a place in our lives where Raising children and being married, that is the prominent 
stage of life that we're in right now. You know what I'm saying? And so we have had people who have literally been able to shed light and tell us some very difficult things that quite frankly, they were tough pills to swallow things about how we parent things about how, how like my communication with Melvin and challenge me on things that I didn't even like blind spots, you know? And at the end of the day, I know these things were rooted in love. And though they were tough to hear, I have to listen to these things. And when I think of like your local partnership, I want, I like ask the question, like in your body of, if you are a part of a local fellowship, do you have those types of relationships where people can, they're in your life, And this is not somebody who just kind of see you walking down the street. Like you have people who are invested in your life and you are invested in theirs where you can really challenge each other. And we can really live out the scripture that says iron sharpening iron. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. One point that they brought out from that Ephesians 4 scripture is that our purpose is to mature the body. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that is our purpose. That's the that's the reason why we're all together. It's not just to hang out and have fun and whatever else. Now, those are our tools because I think hanging those times where we're hanging out and we're having fun, those are some of the times where I grow the most because I'm I'm having conversations and getting to know people and seeing people's lives. But um at the end of the day, everything we have is supposed to be used to mature the body and to make us more effective at showing more people Christ. Yeah. Like th- that's all that, that we're here for is mm-hmm. to make it to heaven and bring as many people as we can. If, if, if heaven is the goal, mm-hmm. then in the, in Jesus is the example of love. He gave us an example of, of he lived his whole life in love Right. Mm -hmm. And his whole life was an example of his love to us and also an example of God's love for us. And that whole life was dedicated towards making us making it to heaven. God, the whole Bible is a adventure story about helping some people to make it to heaven. Right. For us to make it home. So if that is the ultimate demonstration of love and we're called to love God and love our neighbor as we love ourselves, then that's our whole mission in life. And the, you know, really looking at it in terms of like my time is not my own. My money is not my own. My resources are not my own. These things are all to be used to to forward the kingdom. Um, And another kind of offshoot of that, really focusing on the speaking the truth in love, you have to be willing to hear the truth. That's right. Sometimes the truth is not loving. And I said that before, but really, sometimes the truth is not loving, but that does not make it the truth. Sometimes I may say something to Kimberly or she may say something to me. I think that's really hard when it comes to a marriage. Um, you know, we all want to hear things perfectly. Mm-hmm. And there have been times where you've said things to me and it has been harsh, you know, mm-hmm. and we can deal with, but now I'm not saying that that's right, 
You know, we could still deal with the harshness of it, but I can sometimes use that as an excuse to glance over the truth that you say. And I think everybody can do that. And so we can use, though it could even not be a harsh thing. It could just be the thing that I'm telling you is hard to hear. And instead of dealing with the truth, we can make escape uh, an escape route for ourselves by saying, by switching it up and being like, well, you're talking to me this way and you're saying this is not encouraging. Those are things that, you know, I think husbands and wives probably have those conversations a lot, yeah. but you have to, in order for you, like people have to be, we're only human beings. And I've talked to you about this before. It's like people will stop helping you when it, when it becomes difficult, everything they say to you is difficult to say. Yeah. You want to be somebody because th- when you're somebody who never receives critique or never receives um, someone else's input in a good way, then the only time people are going to start to help you is when it's, you know, DEFCON 5. And there's no, you know, they're going to have to just stick in. But when it's just easy, when they can just point out a little thing in your character and they know, let's say you come to church late mm-hmm. and it's something that somebody could, could say something like challenge you. Like, Hey, I've noticed you come to church late a lot. Is it, you know, are you preparing correctly? Or are you, you know, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. That's a simple conversation. Right. But if, if I start to think about having that conversation with you and I know that this conversation is going to turn into a big argument or a big thing where not only am I going to be telling you the 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 issue that I want to help you with, but now I'm going to have to prove to you my love and everything else. Uh, and it turns into this big thing. Nine times out of 10, I'm going to not say that to you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, eh, it's not worth going into it. Mm-hmm. And that happens in marriages too. You have to make sure you are a person who is uh, easy to talk to and easy to, if you don't ever have anyone giving you, uh, input on your life, it it's probably because either you don't have enough good relationships or you're not a person who it's, who it's easy to talk to. And here, let me, let me, this is something you told me a couple of years ago, um, that, was is a good piece of advice that I, I'm going to give it here. Um, you know, if if you all are listening to this episode, then you probably have already listened to our testimony episodes. And you guys know that, you know, I came from a background where I went to, to an all black Baptist church and we just really weren't up for fellowshipping and talking and stuff like that. And, um, the church that we currently go to is very diverse, um, generational. There's all ages, um, multicultural, not just black and white, but people from other countries all over the world. I mean, you name it, you know what I'm saying? People, different backgrounds. It's, it's just very diverse. And so that was an adjustment for me because I was used to what was comfortable. So the people who were at that point, up until that point where my 
inner circle were people who looked like me, black women who were like me, who were college educated and, you know, thought like me. And so initially, as I was trying to integrate into our new church and just really trying to find my space, that was how I naturally went and tried to find friends. But I would have to say that I sometimes felt like I was coming up empty, not that I was not making good friends, but, you know, I felt like sometimes when I would have issues, the person that I would go to really could not challenge me, though I, you know, it's hard to explain. And and I guess what I'm trying to say is it's hard to have a a relationship where you're sharpening each other if if you both are alike. You know, and I remember Melvin telling me, like, you know, you may need to get somebody who is different from you that you grow a relationship from because that person can offer you a different perspective. And, you know, and that's, you know, and I, I at first I didn't really understand it because I'm like, well, then they ain't going to understand what I'm talking about. Like, they're not going to relate to what I'm talking about. And there are certain things, yes, you do need somebody to be able to understand the background of what you like career wise. You know, you may want to have somebody who, you know, that's giving you career vi- advice that at least knows what your field is about. But when it comes to the spirit and, and the matters of the heart, as believers, we're all on the same playing field. You know what I'm saying? And so if I'm in sin against my husband, then any wife that's a believer can challenge me on that, honestly. You know what I'm saying? And I will have to say, once I just open myself up to that, I have been able, and not just people who were just black women, people who were older than me, people who were younger than me, you know, and like you, you, and that's something I have to even constantly work on now. It's like sometimes I size people up and I can think that I can't learn from anything and anybody. And really you can learn from anyone, you know? And so that is something that I would also suggest as you're looking for people to partner with, don't just box yourself into people who are just like you, because if y'all, if your group is all the same, then what would they what is that called? Homogeneous? Genius? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Homogeneous, but I guess it's the same thing. Well, you need a heterogeneous genius group, a different group, a diverse group. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I that's when I think like this, I get the most out of it. So I have I try to always, and again, this isn't, I'm not perfect, but Kimberly, me and Kimberly always get into like little debates. <laughs> she calls, Oh, he's the devil's advocate. Yeah. She always calls me the devil's advocate because I, I always have a, an alternate view on things. And it's not because I'm trying to be, um, you know, I'm not trying to be contrarian, mm. but it is... I try to always look at at different angles of a situation and different angles of people. And I try to find value in in everybody, even, you know, because it has bitten me. I learned this really from sales because it has bitten me in the behind before. And it has also benefited me by just 
quickly judging someone. The most money I made uh, probably in a single day as a, when I was in sales was there was this guy that came on a car lot. And I was young. I was like 19 years old and not supposed to be selling cars. But this guy comes on a car lot and he's dressed in, you know, overalls. This is in East Tennessee, old country boy. And he's got his wife. She's country and his son. And they're, you know, just walking around looking at things and nobody is going to help them. Nobody. And I walk up, I may have told this story before, but I walk, I walk up and I start helping them out. And, you know, I'm treating them like they're gold, you know, because I really just don't know any better. I'm not, I can't say that this was any intentional type of thing. I, I really just was trying to get some customers and they ended up, we go in and we talk and my manager is like, you need to run their credit. And the guy's like, I'm not running no credit report. We let's look at numbers. And so I talked to my manager and I'm like, listen, just, it's on me. Let me just deal with them. And if they walk, you know, it's on me something to that effect but long story short they ended up we agreed and while we're talking about a car for his son which is what it was he ends up saying hey you know what i saw this eagle vision out there i kind of been looking for one of those i'm gonna go ahead and take that too that one was hardly no haggling mm-hmm. at all so he takes that and then i run his credit and he's what they call in the car business bullets and that means like you know set back then it was if you had like a seven seven something but i think he was closer to he, he was at the top sevens and that was super rare back then and he he ended up and i see all these mercedes bins and all it it ended up it ends up this guy owned this big trucking company mm. <laughs> and i mean he was loaded but he just was a country guy, man, and he, that's just how he was. And he, you would have never guessed it. And, I mean, I made a lick. And it was all off of me not, you know, if I would have judged them like everybody else, I would have missed out on that. But all that goes to say is you always got to look for knowledge in people. And, uh, you know, I think the only thing you really need when it comes to to finding people to confide in is really do they prove themselves worthy of your confidence? Not necessarily will they be able to relate to your situation or not because you're not going to be able to judge that. But what you need to know is are they going to be willing to listen to you and work with you and not just try to give you the easy way out? Because some people are not not at a position to, to do the, the hard work with a person. So an example is you come and tell me something about your life. Give me something. Uh, I like to take naps. Well, you naps, you know, you you should really consider what you're doing with your time. That that, that could be some laziness there. And it, so I'm taking the easy way out, mm-hmm. really. And that's that's something minor, but I'm taking the easy way out as opposed to working if it's something that I don't readily understand. I'm not willing to put the work in to try to understand your point of view and where you're coming from before I make a judgment of your situation. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's all that talking I did. Really, all I'm saying is that's the only thing you need to worry about is are are these people willing to put the work in? 
And in to that point, there are there are a couple of things that little notes that I wrote. And it says that, you know, when you ask someone to mentor you, what you're looking for are trends and because mentoring is kind of is pretty much synonymous with discipling you know what I'm saying if you're discipling and so they're they're saying pay attention to trends not instances so like just like what you said like if you're invested in me then you would know that I am not a lazy person. Yeah, I guess I could struggle with it, but anybody could struggle with it. And that I'm a type of person that functions best when I'm rested, you know? And so to know that about me, you would have to know me. And if I go on maybe one, two times we've talked and I said that I've taken a lot of naps, but then in that same conversation, talk about how I don't have time to do anything, you know, if this is a reoccurring thing, then this would be a question that can be asked to me. And so, um, so I like when they said trends, not instances. And then also something that I like too, that I felt was very um, good for them to bring up is know your limitations. And I wrote here, you don't need to know everything and things may be above your pay grade. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, I think sometimes too, people get, you know, on the other hand, the person who can be doing the mentoring, you don't have to know everything about somebody's life. You ain't God and you're not their God. You know, our goal with each other is to point each other back to Christ. That's really it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that's kind of what I got from what you had told me long ago about like, don't get so fixated on people that are like you and um, are in your exact scenario, because at the end of the day, I mean, they shouldn't be dissecting my my life anyway. That's something I should be taking up with God. You know what I'm saying? But what they need to do is point me back to, you know, the righteous way, the righteous right. path. So this ne- the next one they had, I, d- I wanted to ask you about. Um, okay. And we can talk about it a little bit. So perpetuate. An, uh, an atmosphere of humility. And these were kind of like the practicals that I had. Perpetuate mm-hmm. an atmosphere of humility. What does that mean to you? Uh, I feel like I'm drawing a blank now, but I remember when, when I think about that. Just in general. Just in general that like the, it, like the environment is non-judgmental. And that both of you all are coming, like, I'm not, like, whoever is mentoring is not coming from a superior place. Like, we're both broken individuals trying to help each other make it to heaven, you know? And I asked you that because I think in dealing with, I I think in dealing with a lot of people, I see you do that uh, a lot of times, is leading with your weaknesses first. Mm. Um, And me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I do. I think it's why people you you have a lot of people who you know want to spend time with you or talk to you about things because I think you are you are a genuine person and you like I said you lead with your your weaknesses and I I think it's something you've grown in um, mm-hmm. because I know that there was a time when uh, you were were more con- when I guess when you were more cautious about 
people looking down on you. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think yeah. as a as a couple, we struggled with that a lot yeah. at the beginning. Um being And I think we still can it can swell up a little bit. Yeah. You know, it can be down there in a little yeah, bit. Definitely. Yeah. I mean for me for sure. Um but for me leading leading with humility or or creating an environment of humility, I think is just giving being the first person to the punch, you know, when it comes to to talking to somebody about something, like being really open with your life. And even when we do this podcast, I really like to make sure that we don't come off like we're trying to preach or teach people something, but really just letting our life teach. When we're giving these things, we're kind of just giving, we're kind of, we're not regurgitating, but we are taking the lesson that we learned, filtering it through and interpreting it through our our life and then just putting it back out to you guys. Uh, but at the end of the day, our, we really just are trying to be intentional about being real with, with who we are. Cause I think even in doing this, I can get, uh, I could be gun shy sometimes about sharing certain aspects of my life. Mm. Um, during our, when we were doing the, uh, doing our testimonies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked to a lot of people about my past before, but putting it on wax, mm. you know, I'm a professional. Mm -hmm. That nowadays it's all we're in that gotcha mm -hmm. uh in that that gotcha environment nowadays where people want to come and 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 tear you down. Mm. But but ultimately who cares, man? We I've got to lead with humility because by me being open and showing people where I'm at now in mm -hmm. life, it will make them more likely to 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 be open with me. But um, to yeah. me, that's, I, I always feel really good when I can talk to somebody and they are teaching me through their experience. Yeah. But even if not, it's on both sides to perpetuate an environment, mm -hmm. of, an atmosphere of humility. Even if someone doesn't come off to me in what I feel is the best way when I'm trying to share and be open with them, I still got to keep that humility coming uh, because it's, we have to have an atmosphere of humility. And that's either if you are the person who is mentoring or you are the mentee. You've got to be, got to have humility in it. Yeah, I, and what Melvin had referenced earlier was just, I I struggle with just feeling like people um, underestimate me. You know, so I'm always in this, I can, if I don't watch it, I can put myself in this place of like trying to prove that I'm worthy, you know, um, when I don't even have to, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like a lot of, I've been in a lot of situations where I have been the youngest in the room, or I've been the only black person in the room or the only woman in the room. And so I'm feeling like, okay, my voice needs to be heard. And the simple fact that I'm in the room already has proven that I I have showed up and have arrived. And so a lot of times I would be in spaces where that was not the reality. But in my mind, I'm feeling like I'm having to like people are looking down on me. And I would like, what did they mean by that when they said that and stuff like that? And I think what has helped me um, just 
accepting myself for who I am, you know, because I think one day, probably about a year and a half ago, I think I just felt like it's just too exhausting to keep up this facade. Like, I can only be me, you know, like I, I can't, I, I mean, I can only be me and I can only be me well, you know, and so I can't worry about what's going to make somebody else happy. I'm going to lead with love. I'm going to be open and honest. And if you choose to look down upon me, that's on you, bruh. That ain't on me. You know what I'm saying? And so, but I mean, I would be lying if I said that it doesn't still kind of like, you know, you do, you are hesitant, you know, and I do use discernment about how I share, you know, and how I'm open with people. But, right, you know, because everybody can't handle the your truth. They're not, everybody's not always uh, ready to hear the truth or your truth. Right. Yeah. The other point that they made was give your spouse permission to get help for you. Um, and How that, do you feel about that? Because <laughs> we done had some conversations about that. Because we all about this loyalty. Don't be going and snitching on the family. <laughs> I think if it's a to me, if it's a situation that we talk about before, you know, you shouldn't, it's never good to blindside somebody. Uh, it's never good to have a conversation. Y'all get together. It's like having an intervention for somebody when you've never even discussed the problem with them. Um, I think it's, the Bible is pretty, I mean, it's a biblical premise. I don't have to give you permission to go and get help, mm -hmm. but the Bible talks about it. You know, go and talk to them by yourself first if they don't hear it, go and get somebody else to come in and mediate. And if they still don't, then you just got to kick the dust off your, your <laughs> you let go and let God, you know. But um, it, I, it's, you know, I, I, I don't like it, of course. I don't like it, somebody else coming in and feeling like they got to help me through something, but I, it's biblical, you know, if if there's something that you're trying to work with me on and or if it's something that you just feel like you can't talk. There are those things that it's something you feel like you can't talk to me about or you can't. Uh, I've, if I've made it an environment where if I've not made it an atmosphere of humility and I've made it an environment where you feel like you got to walk on eggshells and you feel like it's a. Uh, a hard situation and you're like, Hey Melvin, you should go talk to somebody. Then yeah, you should, you should do that. But I think that it should be, you have to be smart when you're, when you're doing that. I think first off, you got to agree to you. You've got to agree as a couple and say, Hey, you know, I give you permission to go and do this. But I think also, you also have to be very um, careful with it. Because you don't want to just, like I had someone call me one time and be like, hey, can you talk to this, can you talk to my husband about something, right? I want to say, <laughs> can you talk to my husband about this thing? Mm -hmm. um, no, better yet, I had, I think I mean you talked about it before, but um, yeah, can you yeah, talk to my husband yeah, about yeah, this I thing? Yeah, I know what you're talking and about. And it was something that, that they hadn't really talked to their husband about. I was like, man, that that's going to be a problem because if we come together 
and we all get together for this conversation and be like, hey, man, your wife wants us to talk about this. They're going to feel cornered and they're mm. going to feel betrayed. Mm. And that trust is hard to. We're only human beings. You got to set everybody up to win. Well, I How think it, I think it goes back to kind of like this knowing your limitations, too, because like. When it comes to a marriage, like like I like I wrote here, like you don't need to know everybody don't need to know everything. Now that doesn't mean that it needs to be like you're hiding things. No, not hiding things. But there are certain things that a husband and a wife need to at least address first. And I think for us, because we already have a couple that we meet on with in a, a on a consistent basis. We have an established relationship with them. They know what we struggle with and they know us as individuals. Like they know our personality tendencies. Right. And they know how that could be an issue in a, a marriage. And they know the positives of our personality. I think that if there is, because we have been talking about things that we've been struggling with or we need help with, me going to John and saying, hey, you know, I've been really noticing X, Y, and Z, and I just don't feel like Melvin would receive it well from me. I think John is wise enough to, A, if I'm out of line, I I know John would tell me, like, have you spoken to Melvin about this first? But if it's something that we as a group have been trying to uh, work on, because John has come up to me and has followed up with me just like I know Jackie probably has come up to you and followed up with you privately and so the the conversation is already open you know what I'm saying yeah. like we already know like yeah when it comes to the Jacksons yeah I'm snitching if something <laughs> if something <laughs> is up but it wouldn't be like that that dry snitching because you would already know like but at a point in time we did not have a couple that was like bearing with us and walking this journey with us and to just randomly go out and just, just because like a brother is in our group. And when I know that you may or may not really be, you know, I don't really know the depth of y'all's relationship. You know, that's kind of asking like somebody giving the keys to somebody to drive your like Porsche. Like this is my marriage. Like I don't want people hopping in who ain't, <laughs> Invested. Invested. So I think at this point, there is a select few, a very select few of people. I ain't going to say very select few, but I would say, depending on what the issue is, John Jackson, Adam Nagel, um, Tim Hutchins, and yeah. Those are probably be your, the people that like if I need if I felt like you needed challenged in a way, I could go to them and I know that they would they know you as well as another person outside of me can know you. Right. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you have to be. Yeah, I think in short, you just got to be careful when when you're dealing with something like that. But you have to. It has to be an option. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's biblical and I think it's just wise. Uh, but you just have to be smart, you know. Yeah. Um, and if 
you guys are listening and you don't have, because here goes the wrong thing to think about. Um, and this is, you know, this the home team. Nothing leaves this house. You know, we keep our stuff in house. Yeah, like, that's, that's the wrong. Not, yeah. That's the wrong way to go about it. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not telling you something I'm guessing. I'm telling you something that I know. I've seen it time and time and time again in my life and in others. If your if your marriage is a silo or it's a a box, then you are not living life to the full. You're not doing this thing the right way. Especially if you're a Christian. I mean, that's just silly. Like, I mean, that's just silly to not take advantage of the the tools that God has given us. And that's really what I walked away from feeling from this uh, marriage retreat. Uh, just a more than just us needing to be open, but also us needing to be receivers. And that's that again. You know, that's kind of continuously what I'm challenged in is not being so selfish with my time and with with my free time and using that to pour back into somebody else and and more than other people. We keep talking about the Jacksons. They get with they're not retired. It's not like they're, you know, we are in the same. They're further along in life than us, but it's not like we're in completely different stages of life you know their kids are out of the house but they're still working they still have their kids ain't so far out of the house that they're out of their you know sphere of influence so they still got kids to worry about and but they still take the time they have a passion for getting out and helping young married couples and to me that's so challenging And, and they're busy people so I'm challenged in that for sure. Um, and that's kind of what I left left with a conviction of, uh, from the marriage retreat and just things that I need to change in my life uh, to make that happen. Um, but, yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I think that second point, again, just to recap, that was our local partnership. At this point, we have um, hit two points. From our marriage enrichment weekend, Um, the theme was This Is Us. The first point was our unique relationship. If you have not listened to that episode, go back, listen to that one. And then this episode, point number two was our local relationship. And we will be coming back to you with the final and third point, which is our extended fellowship. So again, I want to thank you all for listening and going on this journey with us. You've been listening to the Soul Sense podcast with your hostess with the mostest, Kim, and your trusty wingman, Melvin. Yep. And we'll catch you later. See ya.